Hey guys, on today's pod, me and Matt did our best ESPN first take impressions and embrace debate where we talked about a couple different things. Me and Matt talked about whether Chris Bosch was better than DeMar DeRozan as a Toronto Raptor, which he was. We debated who is better, the Celtics or the Raptors. I unfortunately think that Boston's better. Matt, on the other hand, is a little more optimistic than me and believes in Toronto. And lastly, we debated a controversial take that I have on someone who should come off the bench in my eyes. I think this was one of our more exciting pods. It was probably a little less informative than most, but I think much more exciting and much more, you know, a little more dynamic than most pods that we have. A little more contentious. Hey man, how's it going? I am doing very well, Mike. I got my uh, got my tickets for uh, opening night. I needed to I needed to secure guaranteed Kawhi. I figured that if I was gonna go if I was gonna go see any early season game, I wasn't gonna risk any injury. I said I'm gonna go to game one, even though it's on a Wednesday. Um, that's okay, and uh, because I don't live in downtown Toronto. Um, so so yeah, so I'm I'm very excited. We're you know we're approaching preseason, which is just getting me all sorts of excited i'm ready to see Kawhi wearing a toronto shirt and i mean news came out today too that he uh he bought a house in toronto and uh, and people are thinking oh that means he's gonna sign long term i know it doesn't but you know what i mean yeah um i guess we can talk about that a little bit before we get into yeah uh, the debate yeah the news came out that Kawhi leonard bought a house not rented for people thinking that this is a big deal i'm i'm a little more skeptical it is buying a house in a foreign country, so maybe there's like a little bit of upside there where you think it matters more than buying a house if, you know, he bought a house in L.A. If he was traded there, that doesn't mean anything. Everybody has a house in L.A., but Toronto is a little different because, you know, you probably won't use it as a vacation home. Um, I didn't see the size of the house or how much it's worth to know if he's just buying real estate, but, I mean, it's notable if not a big deal. I think it's at least notable. Yeah, I think, um, uh, Mike, I know you're not from Toronto, but um, the the fluctuation in the million-dollar home range, it, it goes up and down quite a lot, and right now it's down. So as we know, these uh, these athletes are able to purchase uh, finance, or, or have financial advisors. So uh, it was probably a smart idea to buy. Um, because if he stays, then fantastic. He's got a place that he can sell later for a higher price. Or if he leaves, then it'll probably be back up again anyway. So, uh, yeah, I agree. It's definitely not much of a of a news story. However, you know, could be a little notable since Lowry still rents in Toronto, which is kind of crazy. But who knows? It also would be fitting that Kawhi is investing in real estate, like the most boring area you can invest in. So it fits Kawhi's <laughs> personality for him to invest in it. I feel like I feel like I, I feel like just based on Kawhi's personality that he is like a, like he's very sound financially like he's oh, not like Alan Oh for I- sure he's got I, he's definitely put some money in some like government bonds that like, uh. <laughs> accrue two percent interest but are safe as can be. 
Yeah, yeah. Like he's not like Allen Iverson or anything. Like <laughs> no, that. I don't buying, think buying so. Buying white tigers at the at the top of his uh, at the top of his at the height of his payments and stuff. So I read a book on Allen Iverson where he had his friend like watch a bag for him. He goes, "Hey, don't look in this bag. Whatever you do." And I can't remember who the player was. It was. I don't know. I'm going to get the name wrong. I'll try to Google it at some point during this podcast and update it. But the player never looked in the bag. And as the reward, Ellen Iverson just gave him the bag and it was like $50,000 in cash. What? So so he's like a game master. So he's just yeah. like. He... <laughs> he said that, that bought his trust that the guy never did it. So he just gave it to him. It's just like it's, it's like Breaking Bad or something. Like, yeah. It's really weird. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. So yeah, so yeah, but yeah, we're close to preseason. We're we're we're, we're getting there, and uh, it's it's an exciting time. Uh, as we record this, football started today. Um, for us in Canada, you know, hockey and hockey and basketball start right away. But uh, it's an exciting it's an exciting time for both the uh, Raptors and the Maple Leafs. Big stars coming in, so uh, the city is a buzz and ready and ready for some uh, some some good sports. Since our Toronto Blue Jays have. Uh, decided to sell the entire team and, and start over again. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm an Indians fan, so I want to thank you guys for John, Josh Donaldson. Oh, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm glad that you guys really tanked his value and made sure to get an astounding player player to be named later back. So that was really great. <laughs> former MVP. Yes, former MVP, and, uh, and uh, you know, I think, I, I think we'll really give the Indians a stretch run. We also gave you Edwin Encarnacion, however, not through a trade, but so you guys are, you guys are looking good. Power yeah. back. Yeah, so now you guys can cheer for us. We have plenty of your guys' old players. <laughs> we can maybe sign Jose to a single-A deal, and then <laughs> <laughs> let's start off with, you know, I read a couple comments. They talked that me and you agree on everything, which for the most part is – pretty true i don't like to have a debate show i think oftentimes people try to force up these ideas and it really leads against discussions but you know it's september we haven't (laughs) there isn't too much to talk about let's go ahead and get into kind of our biggest debates that we have so Mm -hmm. i asked you to come up with a couple things i came up with a couple things that we thought maybe the other one might disagree on and we came up with a list the first one is that i state chris bosh is better all-time player than DeMar DeRozan. I guess I'll open the floor up to you. Make the case for DeMar DeRozan. I think his career work is just a little... The time he spent with Toronto, he was a little more efficient of a player. Um, I guess I'll open it up to you, Matt. Make the case for DeMar DeRozan over Bosch. So for me, DeMar DeRozan, I feel that his impact as a Toronto Raptor in particular was not as great as DeMar DeRozan's was. You could you could argue that he was a a better player, but I think in terms of the overall scope of work and everything and everything that happened, I can I, I want to I am arguing that DeRozan is more impactful. And I think it's for several reasons. Um I mean for 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 me Bosch he 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 didn't have as much success, I would say. Bosch, um, uh, Bosch came up against a lot of came up against a lot of walls in terms of, you know, he, he his teams underperformed a little bit. Uh, he also he he also only had a, a lesser uh, playoff appearances as well, which I think uh, which I which I also think leads him back. The they also I 
believe never got out of the first round um, with Bosch either. Bosch, um, uh, he he was he was a little bit limited in what he can in what he could do. Much better defender than DeRozan, but I think that DeRozan's impact is just greater because it, you know while he might be limited defensively, his versatility offensively much uh, much more impactful. And I think uh, and I think again going back to when when have the Toronto Raptors really been put on the map? They they were a dot and a blip with Vince, but then it kind of trailed off. And when did it really trail off? It was during those Chris Bosh years. And I think the and I think the reason for that was because the team just was not as good. And DeRozan being one of the leaders of that team is important. Bosh didn't really have a running mate, but I think that Bosh but even DeRozan's individual impact was not as there. DeRozan's also year over year growth. I think was much better every single year, improving on a new skill, improving on something new. And uh, do, now, did who went out with a bigger whimper, DeRozan or Bosch? I would definitely say DeRozan because DeRozan's uh, final two playoff performances were not there. However, the whole scope of work, I think, uh, is DeRozan. Is DeRozan now also? Uh, we look at the. Look, we can also argue the value of what we got back for Chris Bosch. I can't even remember who we got back for Chris Bosch because it was a sign and trade. I can, however, remember that we got Kawhi Leonard back for DeMar DeRozan, which means DeRozan's value is quite high. So for me, I think that the franchise is in a better place as a whole from when DeRozan left to when Bosch came there. Now, I know I'm talking a lot about impact on the franchise as a whole. I also think on the floor, uh, DeRozan has provided many impactful moments i think i think he's provided a top two moment in toronto raptor history as well with the with the uh with, with the dunk with, with the dunk or actually maybe top, two of the top three the dunk on rudy gobert and then the dunk against the detroit pistons last season as well uh derosen's derosen's heart was also more in toronto um we could also uh, and for me and for me that's what's important Bosch really, I think, became the champion Bosch, the better player when he teamed up with uh, two of the greatest, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, and of course uh, won two championships. So while Bosch might be the more accomplished player, I think DeRozan has made a bigger impact, and uh, and uh, you know I think uh, I think a lot of people too can argue. You can argue either way for Bosch trying to return when he probably shouldn't just because of his sickness. I'm someone who would love to see Bosch come back. However, um, you know, I think I, I, I think and hope that he just stays retired because he has one of those freak freak sicknesses that uh, just holds him back. But um, but yeah, for me for for me it's DeRozan. Well, first your your point about getting value back, I'm, I obviously can't rebuke can't refute that in any way. Obviously, getting Kawhi back is much more than what Bosch got back in the signing trade that really was, I mean, he was really signing with Miami. He just signed with Toronto to make the numbers work in his favor. And DeRozan staying with Toronto, obviously, again, I can't debate that while Chris Bosch left. I will say, when we talk about Bosch's departure, it's important to note it wasn't like Vince Carter's. It wasn't one where... You know, there was questions toward the end how much he wanted to play. He always played hard in Toronto Raptor uniform, and we can't question that. So I do want to put that out there. As far as them as players, you mentioned Chris Bosh is much better defensively, which obviously I agree with. Also, I think 
it's important to note he was better offensively as well. He averaged 20.2 points per game while DeRozan averaged 19.7. He shot the ball more effectively. He finished with an effective field goal percentage of just a 49.5 while DeRozan's is 46.3. He was not the playmaker DeRozan was in assists, but he, you know, he averaged two a game for a big man that's pretty good. He was an offensive rebounder, and he provided spacing as a four as well as defensive versatility. As far as an overall player, people remember him in the Miami Heat uniform, but really those last couple years of Toronto, he was just as good. And he was averaging 24 a game, I believe, in the last season he was with Toronto. Yeah, so he averaged 24 a game. He was a five-time All-Star. DeRozan's a four-time All-Star, but... I I really think when you look at it, there was five quality seasons from Chris Bosh. I'm not sure the East is so easy to make it, which I guess you could say for either one of them. But Chris Bosh also made a second-team All-NBA in in, um, 06-07. And while DeRozan made one this year, I don't think that they're comparable. Chris Bosh made that in over Kevin Garnett in 2006-2007 when – you're talking Kevin Garnett, who is at the peak of his game and is an all-time great. Chris Bosh did that. He carried Toronto to the playoffs in the number one seed. The 2006-2007 Toronto Raptors made the – not number one seed, I'm sorry, number three seed. Were the number three seed. That team was – I just want to read off some of the other players that were on that team. Hold on one second. Let me get this. Um so the other players who led in minutes per game, second in minutes per game on that team was Anthony Parker. Third was TJ Four. Third was Jorge Garbajosa. Okay. Juan Dixon and a rookie Andrea Bargnani with the six. I mean, that team is dog. That team is bad. That team, I mean, when Anthony Parker is your second best player and TJ Four might be your third best, that's not a good team. And he carried that team to the three seed. Yes, the team was more successful with DeMar DeRozan, but DeMar DeRozan, I'm not sure he was ever the best player on his team the past three seasons when Kyle Lowry was there. So I'm not going to blame Chris Bosh because he didn't have Kyle Lowry there to help him. I I I I, I definitely feel that DeRozan was the more is is was the more impactful player over Lowry and simply because while neither was particularly clutch, I definitely feel that DeRozan uh, came up came up bigger than 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 Lowry. I mean, I think La- some of Lowry's biggest uh, Raptor moments are games that they lost. I'm thinking of the drive down, the, the horrible play call of the of the drive down the middle against the Brooklyn Nets. I'm thinking about while he hit the half court shot against Miami, they ended up losing that game poorly in in overtime in the playoffs as well. And uh, I mean, DeRozan has had has had more playoff success as a Raptor than Chris Bosh as well. And while while Bosh might have not had as much of a supporting cast around him, uh, that was the era that that was the era of we are going to be one American All Star and then Euro Euro League basketball. Um, I, I I definitely feel that DeRozan's DeRozan made the Raptors cool. I think is I I think is the biggest thing. I think he made it okay for uh, us Canadians to 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 or uh, Canadians who weren't uh, Raptor fans uh, to like to like the Raptors and 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 I feel and I feel like that that's why he's the more impactful Raptor more impactful player overall definitely Chris Bosh currently but DeRozan as a Raptor I feel has left a bigger mark and when and when Bosh left 
the Raptors were not as in good of a position as they are now. Even if Kawhi doesn't play, the Raptors are still in a better spot than than they were when Chris Bosh left. And I think for me that 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 is that's always the biggest tenure of work. Like if we look at when uh, a president leaves office, what's the state of the country when they when, when they leave? When a prime minister in Canada leaves office, what's the state of the country? You almost you're almost looked at what's the state of the team once they leave. And I think uh, and uh, Bosch ba- Bosch wasn't able to make that impact that uh, that DeRozan was able to. DeRozan DeRozan stuck through it. DeRozan said, "Hey, Toronto is a cool place to be." And look, I mean, even we even got an All Star game out of it, which was an unheard of thing uh, back when Bosch was there. So for me, so for me, DeRozan's impact is going to have longevity, whereas Bosch's went out with a whimper. Well, I, w- I want to go back to the Kyle Lowry thing. I think Kyle Lowry has been definitively our better player over the past three seasons. He's a better defender. His off his on off numbers, I mean DeRozan the team's better whenever DeRozan leaves the court. I think you can't look past that and he scores inefficiently while Kyle Lowry scores efficiently. I think the past you know, since Kyle Lowry's been here, he's been more Batman while DeRozan's been the Robin who is a better scorer than Lowry. But other than scoring, I'm not sure what DeRozan does better than Lowry. For me, for me, I um, and, and and this will definitely be a hot take because because of how DeRozan left the last two Cleveland games. But what what worries me most about this season is, and I've spoken about it before, is Lowry's attitude. And at some points, when Lowry will just jack up random threes and and do that sort of stuff, and and, and I know he might not have as long of a leash as he did uh, with uh, with Dwayne Casey because that was a thing that drove me nuts about Dwayne Casey as well was that he would just let Lowry and DeRozan kind of shoot whatever they wanted, but. I mean, I mean, scoring's a big part of the game, and while we've moved away from the era of you can't just be a scorer, you have to be versatile. Um, for me, for for me, at times, Lowry uh, has has very much disappointed me, and I think that those the, the those periods are still are still there. Am I still glad that he's here? Yes. Am I? Is he still the leader of the team in in a for in, in a attitude sense? Yes, but I think that, and, and I know I just said sometimes his attitude sucks, and that's what I'm still worried about. But you know, you, you know, I think, I, and I think that's what just worries me most about this about the the team overall is the is the leadership of it, and if they can gel and be cohesive. But for me, I think that DeRozan, DeRozan, if somehow they were able to keep DeRozan and Kawhi, I feel like Kawhi would have elevated DeRozan more than Kawhi will elevate uh, Lowry. I just think when you look back over what has DeMar DeRozan done and you say that he improved the team, I don't know how much credit I want to give to DeMar DeRozan because he has Kyle Lowry, he has JV, he has all these other things. Meanwhile, Chris Bosh is stuck playing with Andrea Bargnani with the number one pick and then has Anthony Parker, who, I mean, no offense to Parker, I think he's a fine player, but you don't want to be relying on Anthony Parker as your number two option. At least DeMar DeRozan you can point to, and if you look at this team that lost to the Cavaliers, you're like, oh, there's Kyle Lowry, there's JV, there's, you know, even when you start talking about guys like Serge Ibaka, I'm not sure that anyone on that 6 07 Raptors team was better than Serge Ibaka. So when we talk about DeMar DeRozan and how he left the Raptors in a better place, did he lead the Raptors in a better place or did Masai Ujiri? I think that's a more important question. 
who I think it, it might be a combination of the both. Now, DeRozan has been a little disappointing once once he's left, and his kind of his Instagram posts have been very look at what the Raptors did to me. But um, I feel I, I feel like that a big part of their success was was DeRozan, right? Like like if DeRozan if DeRozan didn't buck up and be the scorer that he was and and be that that first option that he was the team was going to get blown up anyway right the uh, there would have been nothing and i mean i mean i know that part of that again goes back to masai ujiri but would uh, would would lowry would lowry have walked at the end of that at the end of that first season if they wouldn't have made the playoffs definitely and who was a big part in keeping lowry there derozan and derozan helped build that 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 culture of hey if you stick with me and you partner with me we can win now was was he correct not fully but he 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 made it an option right he took a team that that no one wanted to play for and turned it into a team that has actually re-signed uh players after their contract is done which is also something that was rare before for a toronto raptors team outside of someone like anthony parker who i believe re-signed with uh with the toronto raptors so uh yeah that i i, I think for me derozan made derozan didn't make toronto a pit stop he made it a place where people wanted to be and and i mean toronto toronto the city itself speaks for itself but the team the team has to be there and i think uh masai ujiri is a big piece of that but he needed a running mate in on the floor who could who could sympathize with the players and talk at a player level uh, about what about how impactful this franchise can be and how and how it wants to win and and I mean we can argue either way too. The, the DeRozan certainly wants to win. Sometimes so, so, sometimes he uh, uh, the 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 playmaking is just not there and the and the ability on the court. But he certainly wants to win and 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 is going to work his hardest to do so. And and I hope he does. But um, I think. I think I think that's where that impact is. Is that people aren't just laying off of Toronto. I mean, I mean, who knows, right? Like, if DeRozan hadn't done the work that he did and Kawhi somehow got traded to the Raptors, he could have just said, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not going to play there." And people and people would have just accepted it, right? So, 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 so that's that's what I think. That's where I think his impact is. Again, I I I see what you're saying there, but I think that if Kyle Lowry isn't there, I think the team is. You know, a shell of itself. So, and if Chris Bosh has Kyle Lowry, say we swap those two, how good is Chris Bosh's team with Kyle Lowry compared to what this DeMar DeRozan run has been? I think that we're giving DeRozan a lot of credit for what has been accomplished over the course of his career when I think he, I think that the correlation of him being on the team and the team being good is real. I'm not sure that the causation is as real as everyone wants to make it out to be. Yes, he had a hand in making this team a destination, but I'm not sure that he's a driving factor. I uh, and, and and I just have to disagree. I think that um, you know, you know, I I I take off my analysis hat and I put on my complete fanboy hat. Uh, when that run was going on, the year that they uh, they went to the Eastern Conference sem- or the Eastern Conference Finals, excuse me, um, whose jersey did I want to buy? I wanted to buy DeRozan's. I didn't want to buy Lowry's. Now I know that's a very personal take, but I think that um, I think that that was just DeRozan's impact. Was that he was just the guy who who was that star? Now was now again not a popularity contest. It's a it's a it's an impact. But I think. But I think for a franchise that was struggling and wanting to be um, 
understood and and say hey i'm here i'm here remember remember me you can come play here uh i think DeRozan really made that impact there and uh the play on the court is you, you know it's tough to compare bosch to DeRozan. i think a little bit too because different eras different uh di- different players um different sorts of positions as well but I think that I, I I just look at the overall body of work as a Raptor, and DeRozan for me has my vote. Okay, I think we're good. Just I I don't think that there's going to be any more move in that on either side there. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and talk about the second one, and that's who's better right now, the Celtics or the Raptors? I think that the Celtics are the number one seed in the East right now, or I shouldn't say the number one seed. They're the favorites to come out of the East right now. You think it's Toronto? I guess this time I'll start with by making the case for Boston. I think this is a team that pushed the Cavaliers to seven when the Raptors got swept. They didn't have Kyrie. They didn't have Gordon Hayward. And, you know, when you look at that team, if they have Kyrie Irving, they probably beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's relatively safe to say. I don't think it's too far of a stretch. He was a scoring option that they desperately needed. Not only are they getting better with the addition of Kyrie Irving, I think a lot of people are forgetting Gordon Hayward missed that entire season. So they won the number two seed. Kyrie missed a large portion of the season. They also didn't have Gordon Hayward the entire time. That's arguably their two best players. When you talk about losing your two best players and you were still the number two seed, they were the number one ranked defense over the course of the season. They have a ton of guys that they can throw at you. They are the definition of what modern basketball should be with switching guys back and forth. I think that this team is going to be really good. I don't think it's a statement on the Raptors. I think it's more a statement of how good Boston's going to be this season. And that's not even factoring in guys like Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum all getting better. I'm uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to that first Celtics Raptors game. I believe it's within the first ten games of the season, if not the first five, um, the first Friday game of the season, I believe it is. But for me, I'm really betting on uh, Nick Nurse as being the driving force behind this Raptors team. The Raptors unequivocally have the best player. On either the Celtics or the Raptors, and that and that is that is in Kawhi. I also believe that Kawhi is going to come out and play. I, th- I I feel like I feel like the idea has grown upon him. I feel like there's been a lot of internal discussion going on with um, uh, with him and the organization, and the organization is saying, "Hey, we want you to stay. Uh, what can we do? What what can we do to help you stay?" I feel that Nick Nurse is someone who. Uh, who I've actually come completely around on as well, who is going to build a system that's going to promote movement, that's going to promote a lot of things, that's going to help every single player and also help Kawhi. A lot of the Spurs, uh, Kawhi did a lot of good work and had arguably one of his best regular seasons in uh, 2016-2017. And really the offense was just, you know, Kawhi, take the ball, shoot, do what you need to. I mean, his supporting cast was getting a little bit older at that time, even though we still had Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Also, I think the Raptors supporting cast... Oh, hold on, hold on. I just want to stop one second. I yeah. I think it's fair to say Greg Popovich did a little bit more than... You know, yeah. Greg Popovich schemes up pretty good. No offense to Nick Nurse, but I think yeah. that we at least have to give a little credit there to Pop. Okay, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm a big, I'm a big Greg Popovich fan, too. 
But um, but but I also think that uh, the Raptors, the Raptors supporting cast, might be getting a little bit shortchanged next to the next to the Celtics supporting cast. Jason Tatum still has a lot of work to do. Uh, um, you know, jump shot wi- jump shot wise, I think I, th- I think I think much like Ben Simmons. He could he could have a similar year to last year, and that people kind of figured him out a little bit. Fantastic defender, but what's he going to do on the? Uh, what's his impact going to be on the offensive end? Also, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward are not necessarily known for their defense. So, what does that do when both of those guys are playing 35 minutes a game? Uh, what is what does that do to the world-renowned great Celtics defense? Right, some of those so, that, that might that might slow down a little bit. Kyrie and Gordon, and unfortunately now Gordon Hayward, both nagging in, nagging in, uh, injuries as well. Excuse me, injuries. Um, where Kyrie has always been injury-prone as well. I think the impact on the offensive end will be great for the will be great for the Celtics. However, they could suffer on the defensive end, and the Raptors are just as loaded offensively as uh, offensively or more are, are more loaded offensively now they also have a number one option which uh we could argue they never had before was a, 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 a true number one option and i think that the raptors i think are in a place where the the culture around it is going to be proven whereas the celtics whereas the celtics culture is going to you know, is is more established and could could get a little lax as well. So while it's close, I think that the the reasons why the what tipped the scale in the Raptors' favor is is forward thinking coaching. Which I mean, the rat. Uh, another point is the Raptors last year. The team last year did quite a bit with some lackadaisical coaching, and as we've heard tons of times, or is or is the rumor that, and if let's assume it to be true. Nick Nurse wasn't able to get all of his ideas in. Casey very lack, very very lazy, very lazy in his scheming on defense. A lot of different, a lot, a lot of different factors there as well. So the Raptors still produced quite a big output with uh, a, a coach that you know maybe was maybe was not wanting to fit his schemes to fit the team. And I think Nick Nurse is going to do a lot better job of that. So I'm actually hanging my hat on Nick Nurse, Kawhi Leonard. And that young group, that young group that wants to prove them, and I think that that can match and overtake the Celtics over a seven-game series. Is it going to go six or seven games? Most definitely. But will it? But but will the Kawhi factor or the LeBron factor come into it eventually? I think so. And I think with the number one option and lagging injuries for Kyrie and, and Gordon Hayward, and also questionable defense at times for Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving as well will lead will lead uh, the Raptors to victory. Well, I just want to reach back. I don't think that Gordon Hayward's proven to be a minus defender at any point in his career. I think he's a positive defender, particularly when you talk about him taking guys like Mook's spot. I think he's one of the better defenders on the team, and I think when you combine him, Tatum, and Brown all together, you have that kind of versatility. I'm, I don't believe that Gordon Hayward is a negative defender in any way, Kyrie Irving, I agree with you at times, but he's a willing to, or I think he's a capable defender. And at times in Cleveland, his defensive kind of want to fell off. But I don't think we've seen that so far with Boston. He's been much better on that end of the court. I think since he's been there, I that his defense has been much better. He doesn't die on screens nearly as much as he did when he was with the Cavaliers. And I think. Part of that also is due to the fact that 
Brad Stevens schemes around Kyrie's defensive weaknesses and that, you know, he does a lot for Kyrie on that end of the court. When Kyrie was on the court last year, the Celtics had a defensive rating of 103.5, which is really good. It's not as good as when he was off the court when they had 99.7. But still, I think when you talk about having those guys, when you have Jalen, Gordon Hayward, and Jason Tatum that you can switch two through four, and really Al Horford who can switch onto any kind of, you know, he's one of the best switch centers in the NBA. You have so much switching ability with that team. You have so much ability to kind of get from guy to guy that this defensive team is going to be unreal. Now you add more of a scoring force with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. I I just think that they're going to be the second best team in that NBA by far. I don't I'm not sure who else kind of is has the upside on both ends of the court. For your talk about injuries, yeah, Kyrie's been banged up his whole career, but so is Kawhi. It's Kawhi kind of the secret has been that Kawhi really has missed more time than people think. People think that this quad injury is the first thing he's missed, but really it's been far from that. He's missed more games than Anthony Davis has over the pat over the course of his career. So I think that's something that's being undersold. The fact that Kawhi has had one injury. When you look at his games played, his sophomore we'll start with his sophomore season because his rookie season he didn't get consistent run. He played 57 games, 65 games, 64 games, 72 games, 74 games, 9 games. So I'm not sure why we guarantee Kyrie or Kyrie. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> we, Kyrie. Kyrie. Uh, we guarantee Kawhi Leonard's health, but we don't guarantee Kyrie's when Kawhi's been hurt his whole career. If we had if we had podcast titles, by the way, I would definitely title this episode of the podcast Kyrie. But yeah, um, <laughs> well, Kawhi and Kyrie would make a good hybrid player. So yes, yeah. Oh no, I, I no, they totally would. I'm actually going to use a point that you just said in in the Raptors' favor as well. The Raptors are also going to be a swi- a defensive uh, or a switching switching defensive happy team. I mean, I can see Siakam guarding. Two through two through five, I can see uh, 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 Kawhi guarding two through two through five. OG guarding through two two through five. It's a long guarding one through three. I think there's a lot of I think there's also a lot of ability for that on the Raptors. And I think that if any team in the East, if any of the contending teams in the East, obviously there, there, there's only uh, there's only three of them really between Philly, Boston, and Toronto. I think the one that is most set up the, the Raptors in their moves this summer have acknowledged that the Celtics are the are, are the best team going in however they have built better talent in in some cases around it to 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 combat that and I think I think that you know going back to basketball is a is a strong man sport right and your strongest man is usually is gonna is, you can bet on it to lead you over the top I think it's going to be Kawhi I think if I had to put a guess on the season series, I would say I would say it goes two two, and 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 in a seven game series, I would say the Raptors win in six games. Well, I I don't want to reduce it down to this because I hate when people do this argument. But if you look at the starting five, would you not agree that if you went kind of position by position, that the Celtics have the advantage at four out of the five spots? Because I think Kyrie at this point is better than than Kyle Lowry. As much as I love Kyle Lowry, I think at this point we can say Kyrie's better. I think Jalen Brown is better than Danny Green or whoever we play at shooting guard. 
Kawhi obviously is better at small forward. Jason Tatum's better at power forward, and Al Horford's a better center. I I hate to reduce it down to that, but if you, when you look at it, I think that the Celtics have perhaps four of the best five players, certainly four of the best six, and I think that matters. I I would definitely agree with Kawhi, with um, Tatum. Uh, I'm not so sure about JV versus Al Horford. I wonder how much longer Al Horford's impact is going to be at a high. I know Al Horford was an all-star last year. That was a questionable all-star um, addition. But I think I think that if there's ever a year where JV could finally perhaps overtake uh, importance in terms of Al Horford, I know that's our next hot topic point, but I think that... Uh, I, I think that people might be underselling JV a little bit. He is a little flat-footed and not necessarily set up to guard Al Horford, but I think that I feel like Al Horford might be slowing down just a little bit, and JV might be able to take advantage of that. So, um, one of the top six, I would say, I, I I would say two of the top six, and yes, I think that's important. Uh, that's important, but I think the Raptors are again going to run deeper, and that could also that 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 could also you know, wear the, wear the Celtics down, have a more balanced attack. And I think that with better rotations as well, the, uh, the, the, the Raptors, the Raptors will also come up to the Celtics level in that case. It's, you know, it's a, it's also a little, uh, it's a little hard to compare because we haven't seen a single game with this Raptors team. So again, a lot of this is speculative, but I am, I'm again, banking on JV's impact as well to really help elevate uh, the Raptors. I don't know. I, I saw El Horford tear Joel Embiid up in the pick and pop where it got so bad that they had to put Joel Embiid on to another def- another player. And if he can do that to Joel Embiid, who is second in defensive player of the year, what are they going to do to JV is my worry. is. And, yeah, he's getting older, but if he's you know 95% of what he was last year and he was doing that to one of the more athletic centers in the league – then what is he going to do to JV? And for Joel Embiid, they hit him off on Ma, Marcus Morris or Mark Markeith Morris. Sorry, I, the Mar, the Morris brothers always confuse me which ones which. Yes. Uh, um, like the Plumleys, but uh, they hit him on Morris. The difference is this year with Hayward, you can't hide anyone. When they put their five best players on the court, there's nowhere to hide anyone. And I'm not sure how JV stays on the floor. It's it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they take advantage of that because I think that JV can be a positive on the off can be a huge positive on the offensive end. So, I mean I mean if 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 the Raptors can 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 figure out the matchups, can keep him out on the floor or keep his impact so high on the offensive end that the Celtics then have to have to kneel over, then 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 we will know that. Um, uh, Nick Nurse is a, is as good of a coach as Brad Stevens because I love Brad Stevens as a coach. I think that he's done an absolutely fantastic job with that Celtics team, and um, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping for that same sort of impact with Nick Nurse. Right. If they if they're able to make Aaron Baines stay on the floor to guard JV, then that's a hundred percent a win for the Raptors. I yes. think that will be probably one of the biggest things to watch as the series goes on. If Baines is playing, then Toronto can play JV without a problem. And, you know, obviously that helps so many more things. I also think with the Celtics, because they have kind of four guys you can rely on, but not one guy who's perhaps a superstar, with 
the exception of, I think, Kyrie in playoff situations is a superstar score, not an overall regular season superstar. But I think having those different options works better against Toronto because although the other guys are good defenders, having Kawhi to stick on someone is such a weapon. And I think Toronto matches up. I know this is kind of a tangent, but I think Toronto matches up so much better with Philly than we do Boston. Oh, 100%. I also think that um, the the Raptors definitely match up better with Philly. But uh, I it for me, for me, I think it goes Raptors 1, Boston 2, uh, Philly 3. Right, and I would swap the two. And then I guess also still on a tangent here, but would you put Indiana or Milwaukee as that fourth team? Ooh, I, I, I'm such a fan of what Indiana is doing. Uh, I think that uh, Oladipo is is just that budding superstar, and I think they're putting the right pieces around him. My vote, my vote's going for Indiana. Well, we could have had a separate one where we had debated that because I'm a big on Milwaukee. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm big on Milwaukee too. I want Giannis in a trip. And the third thing I wanted to debate with you is I've been kind of teetering on this take for a while. I've been holding it back. I feel almost ashamed to say it. I've been kind of bullied out of it by people on Twitter. But I'm just going to go ahead and say I think that JV should come off the bench this season. I think our starting five should be Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, OG, and Ibaka with JV coming off the bench. Matt, I'll I'll let you talk me out of it first. You mm-hmm. go ahead. So for me, I – I am I am a believer in JV's impact, and for years I've been thinking that JV's impact has been undersold under the old Dwayne Casey leadership. I think that Dwayne Casey just felt that uh, probably a lot of points that you're going to say he's too slow, he can't keep up with the game, and I think that the reason for that is because the Raptors have never played to him and through him, which it sounds like Nick Nurse is going to attempt to do play through him a little bit more, make him more involved in it. And I think it's hard to argue that JV is not a very impactful player when he's on the floor. My fear with JV not starting is that teams are just going to out-rebound the Raptors like crazy. Um, I think that the, the Raptors are a little undersized out of, uh, out of JV. It would have been nice to have another uh, another Siakam-sized player, another Ibaka-sized player. I think that would have really, uh, really helped out because, again, the Moose Monroe is also very slow as well. But for me, I think where JV's big impact is going to come in is his ability to out-rebound teams that might also out-rebound teams like the Celtics who might also be trying to, you know, go small to get JV off of the floor. JV is also a very capable back uh, uh, back to the net shooter. I think he's actually gotten a lot more creative in, when the doors have opened up for him to be able to score. I think that. You know, we all we, we we all hate slash love the JV three, but um, I think that that's coming along as well to the point where he won't completely stretch the floor, but he'll at least uh, let let the let the opposing team know that he, he will shoot it if if provoked. And while the other team might want him to do that, I think that his his ability to be big, to be tough, and um, to I think I think that he's gotten a lot better at running the floor and realizing where he can be impactful and where he's doing things that can counteract small lineups. Now we talked about it in the previous point where uh, the pick and pop with Joel Embiid. So I think that the Raptors are going to have to be really really thoughtful of how they do their um, 
their pick and roll their pick and roll defense. Uh, you don't want to get caught in a trap where JV is getting slaughtered in those in those cases. So I think you know you might if if Nick Nurse is quote unquote being as gonna gonna be as creative as he is. Do do they hide? Do they hide JV in spurts of zone to mix up the offense or to uh, sorry to mix up the uh, the defense? Do they do they do those sorts of things? But I think that with Nurse being a more impactful or mindful uh, coach to to JV's needs because he sees the upside of JV, which is big, tough, gets rebounds, and is reliable scorer on top of being a reliable free throw shooter as well, which is also very important I think for a big man in today's game. That he that that, that JV can be a very big positive for this group going forward. He also has really nice hands underneath the net. Um, which is which is going to be helpful for double for double teams on other players, and uh, I feel that he can really I feel that he can really come in and bring something that uh, not a lot of other teams have, which is a big impactful guy that um, that, uh, that that can really get in there and be aggressive. And I think Nurse is also going to let the leash off a little bit of let and let him be a little bit more aggressive underneath underneath the net as well, fighting for more rebounds, uh, doing that sort of stuff. I think that. He should be the starter to help bring that impact in. And the nice thing about the Raptors is that if it is really, truly not working on that night, then it can flip. But I think that the positives of JV outweigh the negatives and that he should start on the team. All right, you ready for me to dismantle everything you just said? All right, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, go go for it. I, I totally agree with all of it. So I'm with you. I don't think... This doesn't state anything of what I think JV is a player. I think he's the third best player on this team behind Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. I think that offensively he's extremely talented. I think defensively his flaws have been overblown. So I don't want this to come off as me not liking JV. Instead, I want to look at this as the fit. I think that last year JV played a total of 22 minutes. We can get him up, or 22.4 to be exact. We can get him up to 22.4 off the bench without a problem. I don't think that a lot of times the reason you start guys is because it's hard to get them up to their minute threshold when they don't start because you you know you have less time to get them into the game. I think 22 minutes is easy to get to without a problem. The reason I want JV to come off the bench is because if he's going to be playing 22 minutes, I want to feed him as much as possible. We have Kawhi Leonard who needs shots. We have Kyle Lowry who needs shots. OG Ananobi hopefully is going to be getting more shots this year. I think that we need JV to be featuring a bigger impact in the offense. I think the way to do that is you put him on the bench squad. Not only does he get to play with less talented players on the bench squad, and I know that everybody loves the bench mob, and I'm not saying that the bench is bad, but just they're not as offensively talented as Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry. He can increase his usage to a higher number than it has ever been, although he already had it pretty high last season. I want him to get his usage as high as possible whenever he's out onto the floor and make a big as, as big an offensive impact as possible. Secondly, I think that he is going to be effective against centers, but I think when you talk about some of the backup centers, when you start looking around the rest of the league at who's playing backup center, I think he is going to feast on some of the guys that are in the second units. I think playing him in the second unit doesn't downgrade him. I think he can be the third best player on the team and still be part of the bench squad. And see, and see, I, I think that I, I, in theory, I think that sounds good. But I also feel that you know, it's it, 
if if he is truly the third best player and can be a positive, right? And I know that there has been times where Jamal Crawford, who is the the the, the sixth man, uh, has really helped as well. But I have to I have to say that I still feel that there's an advantage that if JV can come in and make and be a and be a positive on the starting lineup, then then I I, I feel that I feel that you know it, it messes up team rotations it. It changes the game. He could, uh, he, you know, he plays again, playing big and that rim protection, as I think, which I think is another could be another issue for the Raptors this season as well as rim protection. Um, he's the only one that really kind of provides that as well. well. Do you think he's a better rim protector than Serge Ibaka? Because I don't. I think he's been better at the rim the past couple of years due to Ibaka. Ibaka kind of changing his game. He was such a rim protector when he was younger. Yes, it has something to do with his ups, but I think. Part of that is just playing power forward in the modern NBA. It's not what it used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, and I think I should have actually prefaced my argument that saying I would have. Re- I I think I prefer Ibaka coming off the bench, and I think the reason for that is because, is because, again, providing that rim protection. I think he also runs a little bit better with with what we have coming off the bench. I think we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but we don't feel that the Raptors are going to have as much of a hockey rotation style to their. Uh, to, to their to their to their rotations where they uh, uh, where they have two distinct different groups. I think that they're going to go a little bit more with the trend of you know supporting pieces at different times that help out that help out because I mean rarely did did teams run complete uh, uh, bench squads for as long as the Raptors did last year. But um, I think that Ibaka's impact could actually be really great on that on that second unit, and he could find more shots and get and find find better rhythm and i mean he could extend leads uh with the second unit and i i i can also see your argument for jv doing that as well i just think that you know jv running with that Kawhi leonard kyle lowry danny green og sort of lineup uh is really tantalizing to me and i think uh provides a lot of positives and with abaka running with uh, Delon Wright and Van Vliet and all those guys. He also the, the the other thing Ibaka provides, and again, you know, we're talking about uh, we're talking about banging with with larger players. Is that Ibaka provides a little bit of speed, which someone like an Andrew Baines might not have, which could also uh, provide some positives to a group that is that is a that is a little concerningly small on the second unit. Aaron Baines, you mean? Sorry, I just Aaron Baines. Be... Sorry. Yeah, no, no you're what, good. Um, what did I say? Andrew. Oh, sorry, Aaron Baines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think when you talk about rebounding, I think the rebounding is needed more with the second unit than it is with the first unit. I think when you talk about guys, so basically what we're talking about is swapping Abaka for JV. So I I think that Abaka should be the fifth starter. You think it should be JV? I think that you know OG and Pascal. I I'd have to look at their numbers, but also considering who they play with, I think OG is probably a similar rebounder to Pascal. I think Kawhi's a much better rebounder than C.J. Miles is, and I think that Kyle Lowry's one of the better rebounding point guards in the league. So when we talk about where the rebounding's needed, I'm not sure why everyone says, well, the starting lineup needs rebounding when I really think it's the bench that needs it more than that. I also, again, I just think to the point, the way you can get him the most offensive touches per minute is with the bench unit. So I think... That's the way to maximize him offensively. 
you know, you know, it's it, it's interesting because it is such it, it can be such a toss up either way, and I I actually feel that the Raptors are going to try both, and I think they're going to actually try both early in the season, and what I actually kind of hope for is that the Raptors use their starting center in uh, and it changes based on the team that they're playing. That's I <laughs> funny you mentioned that I was actually going to say that to you. I think. The and I wish teams did this more with their fifth starters. They kind of do it dependent on matchup. The problem is I don't know how much of a groove you can get into as a team if you do that. And I think that's something obviously that me and you know less as opposed to Nick Nurse who will be around the team. I think the ideal situation is depending on who you're playing. You know, you're playing the team with the ground bound center. Let's put JV there. You're playing the team with a more mobile guy. Say you're playing the Boston Celtics and Serge Ibaka as a starter. I think that would be the ideal way to do it, although I do worry about how well that works over the course of a season when you know players want to get into a rhythm and things like that. Yeah, and that's and that's fair. Um, again, though, I think I think it goes back to what's going to win us the game or what's at least going to get us off to a, a good start in the Raptors over the course of their history. Uh, in all iterations, have been a notoriously horrible team when starting a game. So uh, if we can... if if there's something that we can do to mix it up to, to, and again, also keep the other team on their toes as well a little bit. If, if we notice trends and we want to do something different and, and there's buy-in from the team, I would love to see a fifth starter change, uh, change around. Well, it, we see teams do it all the time in the playoffs is a thing. And I don't know why it's okay to do it in the playoffs, but not in the regular season, which always feels weird to me why you wouldn't want to kind of prepare your guys for the postseason by consistently rotating that fifth starter. For example, like if I was the Golden State Warriors and they have kind of a similar situation at center where depending on who they have, they can either go with Kevon Looney or Jordan Bell. I'm I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to do that all season long. But again, these these guys are NBA coaches. I'm not. I I'm assuming there's a reason they're doing this, and I'm assuming that it's player related. Yeah, I think I, I think so too, and 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 you know I think this really has nothing to do with the point, but I hope over time as we continue to grow in our coaching and when we bring up kids that if we can if we can go more towards the team game and say hey you know it's not always about starting it's about let's put out the best the best group together and if we can bring down the starters minutes a, a few to to have more equal lineups but more impactful lineups i think that that could be a a way for a team to get ahead and maybe the raptors will try that and and, and they'll see what happens well we've, we've seen something similar in baseball where it's mathematically shown that the most important inning isn't the ninth inning it's the seventh inning with two base runners on base so why are we bringing our closer into the ninth and we've had we've seen some kind of some growth there as teams have gotten smarter with the math but you still see guys who are closers like being closers and they don't like doing that and i think a lot of times you see the management change on this and i think that's something that might happen with the nba where they want to do this but players either want to start or i mean in less cases want to come off the bench and kind of get into that rhythm night after night hopefully it's something that they can kind of work through i would love to see us at least experiment with it early in the season but if i had to guess i'm thinking we're going to go with a regular starter to begin the year and i would guess that start will be jv yeah yeah i and 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 i think so too and uh and and yeah i think it's again going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the of the uh podcast 
the regular season cannot start soon enough. Even the preseason can't start soon enough. <laughs> yeah, very true. I, I think that pretty much wraps it up for us, Matt. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think there's just one, one one thing that dropped while we've been talking is that Devin Booker is going to have surgery on his on his hand and miss the start of the season, which is which is always unfortunate to hear because I'm a big Devin Booker fan. I think that he's uh, he's he's one of those future players, and uh, it, it's unfortunate to hear that he's going to have surgery on his hand. Yeah, that's that sucks. At least it's his hand. You know, a lot better to have it. You know, in your upper extremities than your lower ones. So. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, no, no. I think I, I think this has been good, and 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 uh, and yeah. All right, Chris Bosh always. <laughs>